재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we continue International News Digest, uh, this time turning to Colombia, where this past Thursday, the government signed a new peace accord with the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, or FARC, uh, trying to end five decades of armed conflict, which has killed more than 260,000 people and left millions uh, more internally displaced. This new accord was uh, put together just over a month after the original pact, which we talked about as well, was narrowly and unexpectedly uh, defeated in an October referendum uh, deemed to be by the wider public to be uh, too lenient uh, for the rebels. So to give us the analysis on the latest situation in Colombia, very pleased to have joining us from the University of Bristol, uh, Professor of Latin American history, Matthew Brown. Hello. Good morning, Henry. Good morning to you. Uh, first question, Professor. Uh, is this, to the extent it is, how different is this new deal from the previous deal? So I think it's quite considerably different. So it's a remarkable achievement to have been renegotiated in such short periods. So the main areas are in relation to gender and the family and relation to the place of the peace accord with relation to the constitution. So in terms of, the, of gender and the family, this was the principal point of objection of the many evangelical church groups who encouraged their followers to reject the peace accord, the original peace accord. And so, for example, the number of mentions of explicit mentions of gender in the new peace accord have gone down from 144 to just 55. Similarly, the major, the many major explicit references to Colombia's LGBTI community and how they would be equally respected in the peace accord as, as according to other groups have also been replaced. President Santos said he wanted to take out anything that could be conceived as a threat to the family. So that's a major change, um, one which I personally regret, but I think President Santos and his negotiating team saw that that was one of the things that they had to give in on if they wanted to get the support of major influential parts of the No campaign. So that's the first major change. And then the second major change is that relating to the Constitution. So originally the peace accord was going to form part of the Constitution of the country, which meant that subsequent governments wouldn't be able to change it. So now that's been amended so that the peace accord will not form part of the constitution but rather there'll be a new article which says that the constitution specifies that the peace accord needs to be respected so it in theory it doesn't change anything but it's actually a major constitutional difference and so that will uh, mollify some of the opponents of the original peace accord peace accord the no campaign who are of course performing politics and hoping to get themselves elected into the presidency uh, in 2018, which is when the next presidential elections take place. So those are the two main changes. Right. So it feels like on certain social issues, it's been uh, perhaps, um, wouldn't say watered down, but um, reflecting more of the conservative uh, viewpoint here, the constitutional uh, issue. Uh, in terms of uh, I suppose, acceptance by the wider public. Could you just explain how uh, the process here um, is different where this new accord wouldn't be put to a popular vote but will be uh, submitted by approval uh, for Congress? I- I'm, I'm imagining a lot of governments around the world when you look at the uh, the UK Brexit referendum or even this uh, Colombian referendum may be a little gun-shy now with uh, referendums, but uh, why no um, referendum for this second deal? 
Yeah, so the first deal was, the first referendum was a referendum on the approval of that particular peace deal. So the government, therefore, argues that on the basis of the comments of legislators and representatives, that in the country there was broad agreement for peace, but not on those terms. So therefore, they have made the case that if the campaigners for yes and no can come together in order to find an agreement which is acceptable to the no campaigners, then there's no need mm. to put that to a further referendum. Because, of course, in a country as geographically um, varied and with the population as dispersed as it is in Colombia, referendum and elections are expensive. Right. So that's one consideration. But, of course, President Santos recently awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. He doesn't want to lose another referendum. So they've done done everything they can in order to avoid a further referendum. And I think that opens the, opens the peace accord up to potential questions about its legitimacy in two or three years' time, for example. Um, but nevertheless, I think that the president and also the FARC and also members of the No campaign recognize that this is a unique moment in which the FARC have agreed to give up their arms, have compromised on many aspects, and so this was a moment to, to be grasped. So they didn't want to lose that opportunity. So the general... Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. So let me explain what happens now then. So at the moment, um, just this week, the re- revised peace accord was signed in the Colón Theatre in the centre of Bogotá between the FARC leader and the president of the country. A very symbolic moment, uh, the FARC entering into the centre of Bogotá. And um, so what happens now is that it goes to... Um, to the Congress where it, where it will be debated um, next week and if the Congress approves the accord after that debate then it will be- enter into its several stages of, of implementation. So it's not, um, this isn't the end of the story, in many mm. ways it's the beginning of the next stage of the story. So the first law which needs to be passed is the amnesty law which of course is massively contentious as to which uh, crimes will be considered as having been political and which can therefore be amnestied and which crimes will be considered as criminal and which will continue to be um which members of the FARC can therefore potentially be prosecuted for without having uh, any favorable terms so the most um difficult one there is in terms of narco trafficking and whether the in any involvement of the FARC in narco-trafficking can be conceived as a form of financing their rebellion, in which case they might possibly be amnestied for that, or if it was perceived as being um, for individual enrichment, in which case they would be criminally prosecuted for it. And then there's also the other matter of um, in the amnesty law as to whether the top leaders of the FARC and of the Colombian Armed Forces are themselves going to be prosecuted for the many crimes against humanity that were committed Mm. during this long civil war, or whether they will be able to dodge that and instead it will be rank-and-file soldiers and lower-ranking officers who carry the can. 
Bottom line, and you mentioned Santos uh, winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Obviously, if the uh, the no vote held and they ultimately did not come up with a lasting peace deal, it would have tarnished uh, not only his legacy, but uh, obviously uh, the, the prize's legacy. Uh, I mean, for Santos, this is really just the most important part of his uh, legacy that he would like to leave behind, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think he has realized the on the basis of his involvement in Colombian politics over several decades. Remember, he was the Ministry of Defense under the hardline presidency of Alvaro Uribe, who took the war to the FARC, um, under which many of the most explicit and well-evidenced crimes committed by the Colombian armed forces occurred. So he realized when he became president that there was no point doing anything else in terms of the economy until they'd sorted out the peace because Santos is a a centre-right politician. He's in favour of attracting foreign investment. He's been very successful in attracting foreign investment, but he knows that more more of what he wants won't come until peace is established and recognised globally, until Colombia can finally shed this five-decades-old tag of being a violent country. So, absolutely, he's concerned with with legacy, but I think um, it's also a, a firmly held conviction that nothing else can be achieved in terms of the development of the country until the peace accords are delivered and peace is established in the country. And that, of course, means not just with the FARC, but then also working with the other long-standing guerrilla group, the ELN, the Army of mm. National Liberation, another leftist guerrilla, which is much smaller and which they've entered preliminary conversations right. with. But which which will still have to have their own peace accord, um, hopefully in the next two years. Okay, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Professor Brown, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yes, pleasure to talk with you. Thanks.